Welcome to the program. I am Sherry Pennington. I'm the host and the creator of Community Spotlight, where we share news that we hope that you can use. And as we tell you, it's either for entertainment, uh, motivation, or education. And hopefully you'll pick up some of that today. You are definitely going to be educated on uh, the, we call ourselves communicators here. Some people refer to DJs or radio broadcaster, but we call ourselves communicators. And every fourth Sunday, I will be featuring a communicator to tell their story about how they've gotten to the radio station and just whatever it is that's on their mind. And today we're going to talk to Mitchell Swan. I also just want to mention, since it is 1130, this is the time you can join us every Sunday uh, right here at 91.7 FM or either stream us at WKDU.org slash listen now. So today in the studio with me um, is E. Mitchell Swan. He is the host of the Radical Left on the Black Experience in Music. He's from Philadelphia, a graduate of Central High School, and he also is a graduate of Drexel University. He attended, he came into Drexel about 76, majored in mechanical engineering, focusing on energy systems. And when he graduated as a mechanical engineer, he is now licensed and registered as a professional engineer in five states. And that's no small feat to get your professional engineering license. The book is like, whoa, the Webster Dictionary, but y'all <laughs> probably don't even remember that. Anywho, um, he is currently the managing director at Resolution Management Consultants. Mitch was introduced to jazz by his father at first, and then he said that his dad was a big fan of Cannonball Adderley and Les McCann and Eddie Harris and some Duke Ellington, too. And that's where he first heard classics like Diminuendo and Crescendo in Blue live. So, Mitch, welcome back home to the station here. (laughs) So thanks, how, thanks, Sherry. Yeah, how's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. good. Yeah, it's, it's familiar, familiar, <laughs> familiar territory. I mean, I was going to say you mentioned the year I came in. I'm going, boy, you put you date me. Out oh here. well, anyway, I came the year after him. If you remember what that year was, anyway. But, uh, but uh, that didn't. People out there don't realize that this is the same master control room that it was then. So it's yeah. <laughs> The equipment's updated, but the room-wise, it's it's still the same place, so it's good. It's kind of like a museum here, seriously. <laughs> well, now, he, now you talk about us old folks, and that it was a museum. I'm a chair. Just come on down. Here. You can see for yourself. So, Mitch, um, you said your father kind of introduced you to jazz, or he did introduce you to jazz, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess it would you would you would say um, playing music in the house. You'd play records and things like that. And uh, my grandmother, actually, his mother, had a um, a Victrola machine, which is a record player that, for people that don't know, you have to crank it up. And so she had 78s, and so she had, like, Cab Calloway and all this kind of stuff. So my dad would be playing things at the house, and, and you know, you hear, so you hear things, and so it's not, it, it, it's not, uh, it's not strange. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that, in the 60s and 70s, there was a bit more um, cross-pollination 
just in general in what was happening in music. So, you know, there were periods I can remember listening to W, like I'll say, well, I don't, shouldn't say it on the air. It was a, say it. Well, I would remember listening to Dr. Perry Johnson on WDAS yeah. at night. And he was playing, you know, groups like Weather Report or, or Return to Forever and other things like that. So I think that generally speaking, it was a much... Um, much more fluid boundaries between what we were listening to to what we have today. I think things today are very much more uh, regimented, at which point people don't hear things. And I personally feel if you don't hear certain types of music, you will think of it as weird when you finally do. I mm-hmm. think the first time I heard classical music in any kind of significant way, I'm going to say this, was Bugs Bunny cartoons. Because, really? yeah, Bugs Bunny would, they would, I mean, he did a cartoon of the Barber of Seville, which is an opera. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, so, I mean, it's like, it, you know, but it was part of that. It was just, it was kind of part of the landscape. And then I think school, grade school and stuff, we had music, we had music in school. Mm-hmm. So they would play different things. And so, you know, I'm not sitting here saying I'm a big knowledgeable guy in Chopin, but okay, I know who he is. <laughs> right, you know? right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't strike me as a mystery. So you yeah, hear different things and you go, Okay, why not? You can listen to that. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about jazz. So first of all, how do you describe jazz? Uh I mean that's a that's a very broad definition. Um you know, you could borrowing from from I think it's a Ornette Coleman, the art of the improviser. I mean, one of the things that characterizes jazz is it's improvised music. There's a lot of improvisation within it. And that improvisation can occur within a structure, like a lot of stuff that you get from Charlie Parker. The early stuff is based on older, what they would call Tin Pan Alley songs, you know, and then he kind of modified it and and, and and became something else. Mm. Um, But if you dig back, you'll find, oh, that that's based on Red River Valley, an old folk song or whatever. So I think the, the biggest thing about jazz is, is, is the improvisational aspect and the interplay of musicians, which is one of the things I think benefits the musicians because you can go see a jazz band, a good jazz performer, and you could see that person three nights in a row. And each show can be very different from the night before even if they play the same song because yeah. the interpretation is different. And then of course you get, you get, you know, pure improvisation, extemporaneous improvisation where people are making it as they, as they are playing. So that's kind of a, so I guess that's what I think is the biggest, the biggest okay. definition. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Very interesting. That's very interesting. Except for, you know, if they're trying to do their recorded music, but most times jazz, like you said, it's more improvisational. Right, right. And I mean, it's nice because, you know, at least for, I especially think for the musicians, I could see getting very, very bored if I had to play my hits right. every show I did and mm-hmm. it had to sound exactly like the record. It's like there's only so many times that you want to play a certain tune over and over again as a musician and not kind of like, man, we got to do something with this. This is driving me crazy. I'm playing the same thing. It's like it becomes like I'm playing a, a, a commercial jingle. Right. You know, it just wears you out. Yeah, yeah. So do you play an instrument? Uh, I do not do what, what would be uh, respectfully called playing. <laughs> I probably abuse 
Uh-huh. I, I used to abuse some drums and piano a little bit, and actually I have some tablas at home, so which are hand drums from India. Oh, I was going to ask, so, what so, is that? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Tablas, a hand drum from India, I, which I got when I, I guess there was a trip to India on business, the first trip there, so I bought some tablas. That was an interesting, getting them back through the TSA, but that's okay. <laughs> When's the last time you played your tablas? <laughs> I have not played my tablas in probably a year and a half. That's oh, pretty get bad. with it. I it. Gotta, I gotta, yeah, because, you know, it's a, it's therapeutic, but, you know, you don't want to be driving the neighbors crazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let me ask you, I know you are constantly going out to concerts or listening to music wherever you can pick it up. What is your favorite instrument? My favorite instrument, boy, that's kind of tough. I I would probably, you know, I would probably say as an instrument, and this is partly because of the musicians that play them, mm-hmm. I would say that the piano has some of the greatest range of, of options simply because, you know, you play with two hands and so you what you're doing with your left hand and what you're doing with your right hand can differ. Um, but, you know, you, you, you put, you put a saw in the hands of a guy who's really good at playing a bent carpenter saw Mm -hmm. and it sounds great. So, so, you know, and you give a piano to a rotten piano player and you go, turn your piano player off. So, so, yeah, but, but I guess piano has its interesting, interesting characteristics you know yeah Yeah. that's my favorite as well love it love it love it you know what was really interesting i saw that documentary with john batiste um american symphony right right and to be honest i had no idea of his background at all and what he did with that piano just was so so awesome (laughs) but i i too love piano because of the diversity of the keys and the ranges and yeah, all of that. Yeah. So let's talk about who's your favorite pianist. My favorite pianist, <laughs> if you can, I would probably say that if, uh, and I say this to people, if I was going to Desert Island and you said, okay, you can only have ten discs, okay, I would say that Keith Jarrett would probably be at least three and possibly five of the discs. Oh wow! Yeah, Keith Jarrett is. I, I like Keith Jarrett's work a lot, um, and he, you know, he's one of the guys that that does that extemporaneous composition. So the famous one is the Colne concert where he basically sat down at the piano on the stage, no music, and he just started to play and wow. he began, be, and it, the, the record is phenomenal. And yeah. actually I was reading a story about that. The piano was not in great shape and he was kind of annoyed because it was a little out of tune and it was kind of some of the keys stuck. So he said that that, those, what do you want to call it, constraints mm-hmm. influenced what he was playing. Because mm. <laughs> I have to work, I have to work around, you know, this 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 D key that sticks. Okay. So I'm got to hit that a little harder, and so that you know that becomes a component of the music. But I mean, yeah, I would say Keith Jarrett's probably my favorite piano player. Very his range good. is his range is quite incredible. Very good. Yeah. So since we're here at WKDU. <laughs> And we know you started way back when, but you're here now. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Um, your beginnings at WKDU. Why did you come to, to WKDU? Hmm. Um, probably because, you know, uh, I had kind of been hipped 
to radio uh, by a job I was working as a, in the summer, uh, you know, between high school and college. And there's a, a guy named uh, Rod Burry, who was an alto saxophone player, and he worked there with us. And so we would listen to WRTI and, you know, big up to Greg Ross out there, who I have occasionally run into, and Russ Musto and those guys back in the day. Um, and even like John DiLiberto on WXPN, who's still doing his stuff, but not at WXPN. But he would he would be playing this, and that was student radio at the time, you know, RTI and, and XPN. It was non-commercial radio. So I came to KDU and said, oh, they had a radio station. Okay. And I was a big music fan, and I thought, oh, this is a way to get to listen to stuff, you mm-hmm. know, across the spectrum. And so that's how I decided to come down to the radio station. Um, when I first came in, I was uh, working in production because there used to be a lot of competition for shows. So production is the area where you you record our pre-recorded stuff, you mix bands, you do that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, learned how we had a task, TAC task cam board at the time. And all that stuff is gone. It's now, that stuff would be ancient. But we have a lot of a lot of new equipment, and, and but I still, you know, have an interest in like how how the sounds that we hear are made for us, produced for us to hear it. And you can, you can, I can appreciate quality production, even if I don't necessarily like the particular genre, I can still say, okay, I can tell this is well done, even if it's not my thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, there's a difference between well done and poorly done and something I like and something I don't like. I, you got to be able to distinguish the two. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I remember those days in the production room, all that equipment. I said, yeah, yeah. look at him. He's really smart. Look at this guy <laughs> over there operating all these boards and controls. And Well, it, it's, it's necessary. I mean, it, and we used to do stuff now. Personally, I find some of the things are challenging because all this stuff is now digital. Yeah. But, it's, it's so it's harder because I don't know that that hardware as well. But back in the day, like if you wanted to make a tape loop, you have to record the thing on magnetic tape, slice yeah, the tape with yeah. a razor blade, and like you know make. I mean, it was it was tough to do. So it was a manual yeah. a manual process. Um, so yeah, we we did a lot of that, and I guess I went from that. I guess the first show I had was because it was a lot of competition. I had a two a.m. to six a.m. show. Friday night to Saturday morning. Yep. So this was like, you know. I think we all started in that shift. <laughs> Mine was during the week, which made it worse. I had to go to school the next day. But that was, it was pretty, pretty bad. But the, there was a guy on before me who I actually stole every now and again, didn't touch base with him. He lives out in the Midwest now. But uh, Michael Hopkins, and he was playing a lot of different type of stuff, a lot of what you call probably today ambient or electronic music. Um, and so that expanded the range of things I was listening to just working with Mike. Then I kind of shifted. He graduated. So I, I went to his show mm-hmm. at 10 to two on Friday nights. And I, I actually turned that into a reggae show. And so at the time there was only other, the only other reggae show in Philly regular was Lloyd Cummings on WDAS. And so I was doing a reggae show. Um, so when was that? That was, your, was that your first exposure really to reggae? Um, yeah, probably on a continuous basis. I mean, you know, I had heard stuff, but but mm-hmm. um, at at a point, 
you know, said, this is a music that, and you got to think about the time, it is the late 70s, mid, mid to late 70s, there's a lot of political aspects going on in, in the country at the time. Yes. Music, that reggae was definitely a music of, 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 of had a voice, it had a political voice to it. Um, and it wasn't a lot being played yeah. in the area. So I said, well, let me, let me, let me put some of that, you know, mix some of that into the show so that people can hear these, this music that they're not otherwise able to hear. Um, from there, I kind of migrated to, well, I kind of ended up getting a slot on the black experience, uh, you know, on the Sunday slot. And, 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 and that's when I kind of started the radical left. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, I mean, it's funny people will say, oh, avant-garde, I, I personally find the term avant-garde sort of amusing because we've been calling things the avant-garde since right. like the early 60s. And I'm like, okay, oh. so it's 60 years now. Hasn't the rest of the guard caught up with us at no. the front? You would think no. by now, you would think by now, we're not calling things avant-garde. So but it's what like do from you think, what avant-garde, what is I it? I mean, the term is used to describe sort of more, much more improvisational, some free improvisation. Um, there are people that'll say things like, oh, it's just noise. I'm like, well, you're not listening <laughs> properly. Right. Um, actually, it's funny. I remember, uh, and I think it's a, a an interviewer either heard or read with, with Anthony Braxton. And, and one of the comments was, well, your music, you guys, you guys don't play time. You know, nobody's playing the time, you know, time signature, one, two, three, four, one, two, oh, okay. three, four. And he said, he said, you know, well, we're all, very well trained and very accomplished musicians so we all know what time is we discuss the time before we start playing we come to an agreement so there's no need to play it because we always we all know what it is mm. so mm. <laughs> okay. so he said he said you know so you don't have to fix yourself into that um and then you get in like whole theories like ornette coleman's harmelodics and stuff like that but you know i just i kind of i kind of gravitated towards that more outside sound and but Thelonious Monk at the time was considered avant-garde. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, Charlie Parker and and Dizzy Gillespie when they did Bebop, whoa, they was that was that was oh yeah. man, you guys I are crazed. You. Yeah, you know, you guys are out your mind. Um, so there's always an avant-garde. So I, I just see. so I do find it kind of amusing that we're talking about something 60 years later and it's still avant-garde. I'm sitting there going, I don't know. Alrighty, you know, <laughs> the radical left. What do you hope to accomplish through your program, doing the Radical Left? And why that name? Why the say? name? Well, part of it is because I, I, I play uh, music that, you know, some people might say is not stuff that they're used to hearing or not stuff that they normally hear. I actually had a, a call a call in not long ago, and the guy said, listen, he says, I got to tell you, he said, I've been listening to you for the last hour and a half. And he said, I love what you're playing. He said, I have not heard of any of the people that right. you played. Right. And I said, oh, I'm sorry about that. He says, no, it's great. He says, I'm like writing stuff down. Okay. <laughs> you know, he says, I'm, I'm sitting there going, who's that? And right. who's that? <laughs> and, and I mean, so part of, part of it is um, over the years, I've come to, you know, meet, know musicians, friends, some, some friends. It's a tough, it's a tough way to make a living. And so I kind of feel like, let me try and give some exposure to some people that, aren't necessarily, you know, household names because, you know, they're trying to eat too. They're trying yeah. to feed their family, send their kids to college or whatever. And, and they're making quality, quality, quality work. And so, you know, if you just 
stuck with the people that everybody always knows. In certain respects, part of FASPA is that the creative river dries up because mm-hmm. you know nobody can nobody can nobody can sustain themselves because right. nobody's getting any business. Yeah. So it's like, look, I, now I'm going to go play jingles for television commercials or or you know whatever. And I mean, a lot of the guys, a lot of the men and women, they teach. You know, they teach in university because that's the only way they can make a nice, consistent, mm-hmm. consistent thing. The benefit is, of course, that they bring that to younger, younger audiences or younger listeners or younger players. But um, if they're teaching at universities, you then start to narrow down the range of people who are going to hear it. Yes. And so that becomes somewhat. So, I mean, so I won't get into my politics, so we'll stay away from that component. But from that that perspective of from the left, bringing, bringing something Bringing people something that they're not hearing otherwise. I think of the Sun Ra line. There are yeah. other worlds they have not that they have not told you of. They wish to speak to you. Yep. And there's this is there's people out there that worth are worth listening to. So and that reminds me, even way back in the day, we used to um, have local musicians featured here on WKDU. We kind of always supported that, and you as music director back then as well. Um, would, I guess, be first to get if if it was a local musician that happened to produce an album. So nowadays there aren't so many albums, even though I hear it's coming back. Well, vinyl certainly the is vinyl. coming back. Vinyl That's is coming back. That's what I'm back. talking about. Um, a lot of stuff now is, I mean, a lot of music is now digital. So you can, and a lot of the way in which WKDU now gets its music, it used to be mm-hmm. we would get, you know, literally dozens, you know, 60, 70, 100 vinyl albums a week. Now they'll have digital feeds that, that so we download stuff and we have this rather large library of digital music. Um, so do you think the local musicians are taking advantage of that medium? They can, and I mean, I know people that do. Um, you know, Jamaluddin Takuma's got two things out when yeah. I just, I just, you know, I got a hold of those. Um, I think that there's some advantage in the digital realm because it is much less expensive mm-hmm. and you can do economies of scale really quickly. It's, it, it doesn't take you any more cost to duplicate a, like a digital file right. a thousand times or a hundred times. When you start talking about pressing records, there's a, you, have, you, have to start, you have to start pressing at least a hundred, a thousand mm-hmm. to make sense because of the cost. Um, um, so that's, that's limiting digital. I can make them in any batch number that I want without an impact. The one drawback I think, and I think this is actually kind of parallels itself with newspapers, but is that because you don't have like a rack of records where you can kind of leaf through and just see things, you may miss stuff because there's so much yes. that the blizzard is like, oh my God, I can't possibly keep yes. up with all the stuff that's out there. So, you know, you can kind of be, what is it, the blinded analysis paralysis. You end up with so much material that you can't possibly keep at, at it. Back in the day with vinyl, I mean, I used to go to record stores and, and just, just like go leafing, through. go yep. through the racks. And I would see something and the jacket yep. would look interesting. And I'd be like, okay, turn this over, look it over. And, you know... Oh, that's an interesting, you know, yeah. so I pick it up. Totally and it's different. hard. It's harder to do that digitally now. Yeah, a little it harder definitely to do that. is. Yeah. So I'm just going to ask you, how does it feel to be back here 
Again. Oh, it's nice. I mean, it's nice being on the radio. Um, the students are, are, are pretty cool. Um, it's it's so funny. I kind of see stuff that I go, oh, yeah, I remember that. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but um, oh, boy. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're good. The radio station's good. You know, Drexel, we still have to do some stuff with that. Right. Sometimes in the winter, it's a little chilly at night, but okay. you know, as they turn the heat down, you know, you kind of go, yo, we got to fix that. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's all good. I enjoy it. Thank you. So we're speaking with E. Mitchell Swan. He's the host of the Radical Left. He's in the rotation here at the Black Experience Music. So if you check uh, the WKDU Black Experience Facebook page, each week we tell you who's coming on and at what time. So be sure to check us out there. So we only have about five minutes left. And I want to talk about what have you been doing professionally since you've graduated from Drexel? Well, I mean, I'm an, I'm an engineering graduate and kind of worked in energy and, and a lot of construction, building, building buildings all over the place. Um, lots of different, lots of different locations, different countries, different, different oh. cities and states. Uh, now what I do largely is, um, I help resolve problems that people might have on projects. That's the resolution management consultant uh, oh. component. I do expert witness testimony uh, related to same. Um, I chair the Philadelphia Energy Authority, so that's another component that's more of the energy side, more of a policy side. Um, and uh, actually, I'll be heading to Spain in April to do a presentation on decarbonization so so there's a lot of stuff going on with that so i mean that's that's uh things i you know i don't know uh, i was the president of the engineers club in philadelphia Mm -hmm. um as you mentioned i have a pe license and a professional engineer license in a number of states yes um what uh, states do you have are you licensed in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, California, mm. Delaware, Connecticut, I think, you know, it's kind of sometimes this is a, a test, pain. Mitch. Come on now. It's no. Sometimes it's a pain to kind of keep, kind of to keep up because you have to send, they all have yeah. different cycles of renewal. And so sometimes wow. it's hard to keep track. But on the radio tip, starting this, this winter, I have another show on Monday nights. At 10 p.m. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. Called the Long March. When is it starting? I'm sorry. 10 p.m. to midnight. When on, does it start? It started Monday in Jan. The first, the first. Oh, it's the on yeah, now. So, yeah. So. Oh. So uh, it's uh, so I, I kind of focus on longer form compositions generally, because um, when I'm on the experience side, I'm only on like once every six weeks. Okay. I want to try and get as much new music in as I can, so I try and stay away from like 25, 20 minute songs, 18 minute songs, whatever. This show, since it's every week, I can be a bit more relaxed about that and somewhat more thematic. So I kind of oh, like that's focus great. on some So things. Monday evenings. At 10 p.m. till at, midnight. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Very good. So yeah. be sure to check him out right here at WKDU 91.7 FM. So Mitch, you know, my forum here is really about the community. Community, what messages would you like to share with the community? Um, I think it's real important to kind of like uh, stay stay conscious and observant of what's going on and kind of be reality-based. You want to kind of get information from reputable sources. You want to try and understand what's going on in your community, understand how those things are affected by the bigger picture. I, I find that that's uh, somewhat of a, of a concern I have, mm-hmm. um, people not— People not connecting the dots, okay? And uh, there are definitely dots 
And those dots will have an impact on you and saying things like, well, I don't care what's happening in this other country that has no impact. Mm, yes, it does. So, you know, pay attention. Pay attention to what's going on. And I, you know, this is not an endorsement of anything, but the last mayoral election, I think the, the voter turnout in the city was, was like 35%, 40, 35%. Oh, so, so wow. that means that the rest of us or the rest of everybody, the other 65% had one third of the people in the city who were eligible to vote decide who the mayor was. I'm not going to have no, not, not going to offer any opinion on who mm-hmm. they chose, but did you really all intend to abdicate your decision-making mm. power to mm. the you know, two-thirds of the people that could vote didn't? Whoa, that's not good. That could happen again in this uh, presidential. It's, it's I mean, really, it, it's, you know. Yeah, right. So it's like we can't really do that. Yeah, I mean, it's I not, that's not, it's not well-functioning society, and it's not good for us. It's not good for you. So pay attention. Try and keep yourself up to speed with what's going on. And try and do that from a reality basis. Try and get good information. Learn how to separate good stuff from from nonsense. Very, very good. Well, thank you so much. Um, Talk to um, E. Mitchell Swan. The Radical Left has a new show on Monday evenings, um, 10 o'clock to midnight. Right. What is that titled again? The Long March. The Long March. And he also does our What's Happening. Yeah, yeah. So that's. Which is just because I wanted to have people know who's in town. Okay, so when okay, so that's that's sprinkled throughout our Sunday programming. Yeah. So we thank you for coming, and uh, we're going to keep it moving and make way for Al Knight and Doug Page. Um, it's been a pleasure. I hope that you found out some information that you can use, and by all means, if you have information that you would like for us to share, you can reach out to wkdu.org attention community spotlight and as we say we want you to be peaceful out there